Hi there. Before we start with today's episode, I wanted to remind you that on this season of the podcast, we will be discussing the book Signals by Sherilyn Orr. If you didn't have a chance to read chapter one of Signals, stop here and go back and listen to season one, episode two. It will give you a good foundation to better understand today's discussion. And now, on to the episode. Welcome back to the Stoplight Approach podcast, where brain science is made simple. I'm your host, Sarah Ganger. I am so excited to have you back with me this week as we start our discussion of Signals, the book that applies the stoplight approach to parenting. And today, I have a very special guest with me to discuss the first chapter of Signals, and that guest is my husband, Tim. So, Tim, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I am married to Sarah Ganger, the host of this podcast. Uh, We have four children and I am a pastor. I also worked in special education for nine years. Well, thank you. Thanks. And we have four children who are ages 11, 12, 12, and 13. That's right. So teens and tweens. So um, I was going to see... If you could think back to when you first heard about, you know, the stoplight approach, this red, yellow, green, the different, you know, parts of the brain, all of that, Um, it's been part of our lives for a long time, but it wasn't always part of our lives. That's true. It was, it was very challenging because I think in some ways it was so different than most of the other parenting books that were out there. And so in some ways it was felt a little bit like starting off again at square one Mm -hmm. because it was simply so different than what I was expecting and what I had encountered up to that point. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, we had similar experiences in the sense that it, it was just so different than the way we were parented. Um, as children of the 80s, you know, all of this brain science stuff wasn't even beginning to be discovered until the 90s. And so we were well into childhood, you know, heading into teen years before e- any of this research was even begun. And so yeah. the idea that now we can look inside the brain and we can see how it works and we can see the impact that our brains have on our, our relationships. It's just an entirely different, like, seismic shift Yeah, yeah. in parenting. It, it absolutely is. And I think that that's part of what I think was so uh, a, bit, a bit jarring about it is that it wasn't that you didn't experience these things or, or hadn't encountered these, uh, you know, kind of emotional responses or these, uh, you know, as the, the, the book would describe you, these red brain moments. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that you didn't have those things, but all of a sudden now it, you had a category for them that you just didn't have before. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's really what made such an impact on me mm-hmm. was being able to, to think, oh, wow, okay. I can actually describe mm-hmm. in a really helpful way for myself and for others things that I'm encountering now. And then I can also develop a strategy of, of how do I get this where I want it to be or how do I keep it going? Uh, when, when we're in green and things are going well, it just radically transformed the way that I thought about relationships because now I, I could look at not just a, a reaction. Mm-hmm. Instead, I could look at it in terms of 
the stoplight yeah. and, and think, well, what is this actually telling me about myself or about others? And, and that was just massively uh, different than really kind of reacting to everything that you <laughs> encounter as a parent. Yeah. And um, I think that one thing that you know, you said was it kind of like gave you some insight into your own reactions and your own responses. And something that we talked about last season um, that was so important was that stoplight starts with me. And, you know, the, the first chapter talks about red brain and yellow brain and green brain. And so I was just curious, like thinking through that lens of the stoplight starts with me, like how do you, how do you see yourself in red brain? Like, what does that look like? What is, what does yellow brain look like? What is green brain? How have you learned to recognize your responses and, and kind of pick up on those signals um, of those different brain states for yourself? Yeah. Uh, I remember I, in the podcast and, and also in, in trainings and different things like that. Yeah. One of the things that great activity to do is to actually draw your stoplight. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that I've recognized about myself is I, I have a pretty big, green light like I, I, that's it's pretty normal for me to be in green brain mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really glad that you're agreeing with me on that so <laughs> I felt like in some ways it was a bit of a gamble but I think it paid off so I, yeah I realized I have I'm pretty pretty like uh, I can go with most things I can really stay uh green pretty consistently for most things but but one thing I've realized is I've gotten older is I, I do my my awareness I think has increased. What I realize is there's just a, there's a few things that pretty quickly take me from yellow into red. Uh, my my yellow is not super big, mm-hmm. and so um, I've realized for myself that I've got to be pretty careful uh, when I go into yellow because I can pretty quickly go into red. Um, from that, I think part of that for, for myself is um, yellow experiences. I, I'm 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 a pretty joyful, happy person, and so when things like um, anger, frustration, uh, really perk up, um, I just don't have a big filter uh, to to be able to handle that, and so then I go, go can go to red. Now my red is not super angry and yelling and stuff like that, but but it is like short. Um, I'm much more likely to freeze mm. than I am anything else. And so like a lot of times I'll, I'll shut down mm. and that's not particularly helpful in a relationship. I'm just like all of those things are, and it's not because you're choosing to do it as much as, um, that's what happens when it gets to that point. Um, I, I do struggle with, um, anxiety mm-hmm. and, uh, even though I think I'm, I, I feel like I'm mostly in green brain, uh, what I've also realized is, is because of my anxiety, um, there's there's many times where I think I'm actually more in that green yellow space mm-hmm. than I think that I I, I really fully realize. Um, and some, if there's anyone out there who has uh, anxiety, uh, for for you and potentially for me is that's kind of the space that you live in. And so it feels probably pretty green to you mm-hmm. because that's just the way that you normally feel. And I think that that might be some of the reason why for me, uh, my yellow is not as clearly defined 
is because I think I probably am kind of in that little bit of that space in between more often than I realize. Uh, but I think a lot of that, once again, is just learning more about myself. Yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, the importance of kind of recognizing those signals in yourself, recognizing, you know, um, the things that you're sort of bringing to the table, like you mentioned, anxiety that can make you or, or, or kind of lean you towards one space over the other. And um, just being able to articulate that and recognize that so that you know, you know, this is how um, I might tend to operate in this situation and taking responsibility for that is so important. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, talking about red, yellow, green, as the first chapter does, um, what are the biggest red situations in yeah. our house? What does that look like uh, for us? We don't have any at all. Oh, never. Our <laughs> no. house never uh, goes to red. No, uh, I think that the uh, one, I think that happens most most commonly now uh, with the age of our kids is homework. Uh, <laughs> homework is, uh, is, is definitely red. I, I know for me, uh, and part of this is my, I think my background as uh, in special education is um, I, I worked with students who uh, schoolwork, academia is hard it's for, for a variety of different reasons. And I think one of the things that, that, that makes me actually go into red, it's not the struggle to do the homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's many times um, when, when our kids don't want to put in the effort mm-hmm. to do the homework. Uh, I understand when you didn't understand a concept as well as you'd like to, and so that makes things difficult uh, because you're trying to recall things and or you didn't understand it well the first time, so you really need like a tutoring session. I understand that stuff completely. Uh, what gets me into red, though, is when um, I just don't want to do it. And so that can be a major trigger for me that drops me really quickly into red brain. Uh, except I'm except I'm not freezing at that point. I'm usually pretty frustrated. Yeah. Uh, at that point, um, and it's really because um, I, I know that I know that it's hard, but I, I need my kids to put in the effort mm-hmm. <laughs> to to get there. So that's one that's a red brain moment for for them, but that can easily drag me down into red red brain as well. Uh, yeah, and, and you and I are so very much like on the same page with that in the sense that, you know, red brain kids can drag us into red brain, um, yeah. especially when it comes to homework. But some things that we have tried to put in place because we've been doing this for a while and homework has been an ongoing struggle, um, prone to red moments with homework. Um yeah, we, we always have gotten to the habit, right, of asking our kids, like, have you eaten anything? Yeah. Have you had anything to drink? Like, yeah. we try to make sure that they are, um, you know, they, we don't do it right when we come home from school. We've learned that that's just a disaster. They're tired. They need a yeah. break. Yeah. They need some time to just relax and do some things that they enjoy before they get right down to homework. So we've... Mm-hmm. We've put a few things in place over the years that we've learned to help make homework a little bit easier. And at the same time, it's by far something that that will throw Mm -hmm. our home into a red situation. Yeah. And I I think, too, another thing that we've done that I think has been really helpful uh, is playing to our strengths in terms of homework. And so if it's it's a math 
issue because I taught math for for years. Uh, not that you can't do it. You can do all of those things. But I do the math stuff. And the last thing that anyone wants me to do is try to do anything in English. Yeah, or grammar or writing. Yes. Oh, or... gosh. It's and, misery. It's and misery. So, and so I, you know, yes, I'm definitely the one that does the English and the grammar and the writing and all yeah. of that. So we, we kind of divide and conquer in mm-hmm. that way, trying to play to our strengths, um, which de- which definitely mm-hmm. does help. And I will say another thing that I feel like we've gotten better at over the years is we just take breaks. Like yeah. if the child is getting frustrated or if one of us is getting frustrated we just sort of say you know i need a break and we go you know get a drink of water or you know kind of walk around the house or just walk away from it for a little bit Mm -hmm. and that i feel like often can be what we need to you know slide slide away from red and and try to get back to a green space yeah getting out of the situation that's pulling you down uh, and I know that we have the freedom to do that because uh, of our marriage and because we've been doing this for a while. But at the same time, it, it, I think recognizing that it's it's okay mm-hmm. to, uh, I, even though you're the one who's supposed to be the parent, to say, I, I need to stop. Mm-hmm. If you recognize that that's where you're going and you need the break, then you need to stop just as much as your child may need to stop. And that that's a good thing. Yeah, and and modeling that for them. You know, everybody needs yeah, a break. That's right. Everybody that's needs right. a break sometimes. Adults, kids, everyone. Absolutely. It, being a human means sometimes you just hit your limit and you just need to walk away for a little bit. That's right. Um so homework is probably our most common red situation. Um what's a yellow situation for our house? <laughs> you know, I I was thinking about that in terms of, of the colors. And I think that one of the things that I've had to really change myself about in terms of yellow, uh, bedtime used to be a big yellow for me. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason I think was bedtime was, was yellow for me was because I, I was ready for the kids to go to bed. <laughs> uh, many times because I was ready to go to bed myself. And so Going into bed was a yellow situation for me because uh, my goal was to get my kids down to sleep and comfortable and, and ready to go to bed. But many times their goal was to stay up as long as they could. So our, our goals are two different things. And, and as as my kids have gotten older, that's changed because now I recognize that when you have teens and tweens, sometimes the best conversations happen when it's ready when they're ready to go to bed i don't know why it is like a magical thing that all of a sudden the later in the evening it gets suddenly they want to have the deepest conversation that they've ever had with another human being uh right at that moment and and so it's so important to like put my preferences aside which can be difficult for sure but to say this is a time for me to connect with my my child and so i think that uh, I think being aware, once again, of, of myself and my own tendency. Yeah, it's so funny. As soon as you said bedtime, I was like, oh, you're so right. Like, for a long time, bedtime battles were real and such a struggle in our house. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, thinking back, like, so much of it was my own. Again, stoplight starts with me. Like, I was exhausted and mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. was ready to go to bed. And yeah. so I was already entering something that was hard 
just physically challenging to get four children down to bed. Yeah. I was already entering it in a yellow space because physically I was exhausted and often mentally and emotionally from the day I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, it's interesting looking back. Like I wonder if, because I've only, you know, just recently in the last few years, kind of adopted that approach of, mm-hmm. of bedtime as a time for connection. Yeah. Um, I, I used to really think bedtime is a time for sleep. You know, that's what bedtime is for. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, ne- and now I, you know, but it's really just, you know, the past few years that I've really seen it as it is a time for that kind of safe touch, you know, scra- back scratching mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a back rub or, you know, the, the singing or the chatting or the reading books, you know, just being close, mm-hmm. asking about your day, you know, what are you grateful for? Um, it is a, a really good time of connection. And for teens and tweens where they start opening up and, you know, spilling all of the things they've been keeping inside. Um, but it took a long time for me to see it that way. Yeah. And it it does make such a difference when you start approaching it because then you can say, okay, to, to make those connections and build those relationships, even, even when we're tired. Yeah. Um, and so it does kind of like give you motivation and kind of like fresh, um, help for, for that tiring mm-hmm. situation. So, um, green brain, what is, let's just, maybe just share a favorite green brain moment in, in our family or something that you enjoy that we do when we're all in green brain? Uh, I'll, I'll just go to probably the easiest one and probably because in some ways it's one of my favorite things to do is that when we're all in green brain, uh, a lot of times it happens at the dinner table because mm-hmm. we, we've all, we're all eating <laughs> and drinking water. And so we're kind of immediately making, meeting basic needs uh, that would be red brain things uh, pretty much everybody's kind of wound down and uh, kind of just from the buildup of the day, a little more relaxed. And so I think we're in uh, a good state and is um, a h- humor at the dinner table. Mm. So uh, I, I, have a, I have a mug that says uh, dad joke loading <laughs> and that my kids got me for Father's Day. And I feel like that's a pretty perfect example of me, mm-hmm. but also uh, hu- humor is such a part of my interaction with the the kids, and I think that that's a lot of fun because I, I do get a lot of eye rolls, uh, but every now and then I do get some pretty great laughs, and I think that that's really fun because all of us then are experiencing uh, one another the way the way that we would all I think ideally want to experience one another. Now, th- that's not every dinner, but uh, I think uh, many of our dinners, that's one of my favorite kind of green brain times is where we're, we're all a little bit more laid back eating things that we enjoy, but then also uh, I can crack a dad joke or two and see the laughter slash eye rolling at the table, which is just as good as laughter as a good solid eye roll. Oh yeah, I mean you need a you need that feedback. You'll you'll take it any way you can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right; it's so interesting because now so many of our dinners are green brain moments where we're just laughing and enjoying one another. But man, thinking back a few years ago, 
<laughs> Dinner was not green brain at all oh, because gosh. we had a we had a bunch of picky eaters. Yep. And we had a lot of children who weren't independent in using mm-hmm. in preparing their yeah, plates yeah, or yeah. using utensils and lots of very tiny humans who for whom dinner time was was very challenging just yeah. log- logistically like the actual act of eating dinner was hard yeah um and so it's so, it's so interesting that like something that used to be like kind of yellow sometimes even red um as our kids have have grown has become green and that's really exciting to me and comforting i hope to people who are listening who for whom these moments aren't green yet right now they're really yellow or they're really red you know these these moments of your day like you know as as your kids grow as you persevere as you keep meeting those needs um and try to connect and build those relationships like the green throughout your days can grow um, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that that's one of the realities of chapter one is in so many ways it it, it is probably so different mm-hmm. than what you've encountered before. And it is really jarring and it is really kind of, you kind of wonder, gosh, how, how have I been? What does this look like for me? And you might automatically know what it looks like for you or for one of your children. But but I think that th- that's the, the nature of the stoplight approach. And I think she says it in there is that you know, this isn't uh, a a strategy as much as it is a philosophy. Mm. This is a way to live life. Mm. This is a way to think about relationships. I think that would be one of my major encouragements is, is, is don't let chapter one, if it, if it really kind of blows your mind, stop you from reading chapter two Mm. or chapter three or chapter four, let yourself work through it, go through the questions. Um, Think about what it's asking you. And the reality is you're not going to get it all the very first time. It, it really is a process of working through things, recognizing yourself, recognizing other situations, and working through those things. I mean, the reality is is none of us are perfect parents. None of us are. Thankfully, we do have a perfect parent and uh, God the Father. But we're not, that's not who we are. And so that, but the good news is, is that, is that because we, we do believe in God's work in our lives, that we can change and we, we can transform. And I think the stoplight approach has been really helpful in that, um, seeing this aspect of, of, of who I am, how my brain works is something that I can recognize, I can work on. And therefore, that means that I can change. And, and we've, I think, seen it in terms of uh, our lives, um, our, our marriage, our parenting, etc. that we can grow. And not just grow to grow, but to grow because we're growing into green. We're growing in a good way. And it makes me thankful. and makes me want to encourage you to keep going. Uh, keep listening. Keep reading. And keep seeing what God can do uh, with these things. Yeah, it's amazing. I think she does say it in there. Like, this is not meant to make people feel guilty. Yeah, um, no. You know, we, we only know what we know. And, and until we know better, we can't do any better. Than, and so it's one of those things. Stoplights definitely, we say this all the time at the stoplight approach, but it's been a journey. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's always a journey. We're still yeah. learning and growing. 
Um, but it's also exciting to think that, you know, for the people that are starting right now, starting their journey, you know, little by little, um, tiny bit by tiny bit, you do see change and you do see growth yeah. um, as you understand your own brain mm-hmm. and the brains of, of the people around you. So thank you so much for being here today. I think we're going to have another chat at some point in the future. That's great. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate your perspective. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and found it helpful. Join us next week as we discuss chapter two of Signals. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Stoplight Approach podcast. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast as it will help other people to find us. The Stoplight Approach offers many resources to help families, schools, churches, and other groups to grow in their understanding of the brain and relationships. Please visit www.thestoplightapproach.org to learn more.